Hey, Westside, yeah, we are, we're going through the valley, aren't we? How many of you have been uh, a part of the journey so far as we've been talking about some pretty difficult things? Just want to say thank you. Thanks for, as the scriptures would say, going for it bold and stout-hearted as we talk about some pretty vulnerable and tender things. Like last week, we talked about suicide, and I just want to say thanks for going there into that conversation with us. There just seems to be a sense of, however imperfectly we're having the conversation, a, a, a sense of gratitude that we're having it together. And we're going to the scriptures and saying, God, what would you have for us in it? Would you agree? Yeah, so I just wanna say thank you. And as I thought about today, we're talking about anxiety and worry. I'm like, well, what's gonna be different from last week, which was so heavy and exhausting to this week? And I knew two things. One is, I'm bringing the whiteboard. That's one. And two, I'm gonna talk and begin talking about my dog, my puppy, my Christmas puppy, Ginger Joy Diebel. That's where I wanna start this talk right here. How many of you, maybe you knew, I know, right? Just amazing how cute she is. And uh, she's quite the football player. She's uh, very agile, she anticipates, she's quick to the ball, she has all the intangibles. Uh, but I share this with you because, um, one, is I just think she's adorable, but two, the fact that we've tried to give her balls that would fit in her mouth and she wants this one. And we're like, Ginger, that ball's way too big for you. She says, who says? And I'm like, well, you can't get the, the ball into your mouth. She says, how come? Because this speaks to not only is so, she's so cute, but she's a megalomaniac at her core. And we, we had a, a, a dog trainer, Gwen Kennedy. Some of you might know Gwen. She's one of our absolute prayer warriors around here. And a professional dog trainer we brought her over for a few sessions. She was fantastic, and she's like, look, this dog, as cute as it is, there's a force in her. And as we jumped into the kind of the whole training, uh, you know, it's been a while since we'd had puppies. Whew, I mean, there's some things. Like, number one, that when you walk through the door, you do not greet the dog first, which is really hard because no one else even notices you came through the door, right? <laughs> Number two, don't meet the dog at eye level. They'll think they're equal with you, right? Number three is when you're going through a door or coming in through a door, you go first, not the dog. When you're walking the dog, you hold them close on a tight leash so they don't have to feel like they are in charge and constantly protecting. As Gwen would say, you gotta do this soon, you gotta do this early, you have to teach the dog to what? Submit, otherwise, and here's the point, she would say, structure leads to freedom and submission leads to a sense of safety. In other words, if you don't teach the dog these things, you're going to have an anxious dog. And I thought about that. The first thought I had was like parenting. Like, kids, you hear all this? Rules are good, right? I wanted to do that, that sink in. But then I'm like, this is actually me in my unsubmitted ways. This is, in fact, the whole human race, going all the way back to the garden where the tempter, Satan, the enemy of God, came and said, you can be like God. You can be completely untethered from your maker, having and knowing good, good from evil. And we bought that lie, and we've been all twisted up inside ever since, such that we, uh, by and large, are a human race, that we are submitted to no one, and we are fearing everything. In fact, you could say the only thing we're submitted to, it seems, is our own fears. 
And God doesn't want us like that. He didn't make us for this level of worry and anxiety. And this is why James echoes back to the garden in chapter four. You can grab your Westside app and and read this with me. Chapter four, verse seven, and he just says, submit yourselves, which means bring yourself back under the authority to God. And then hearkening again back to that moment that was lost in the garden, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, I've just, my mom would always teach me that. She said, whenever you felt the temptation, just say, in the name of Jesus, flee. And uh, that's just one of the teachings I always remember my mom telling me. And then verse eight, come near to God and he will come near to you. There's this sense of, it's not too late. No matter your worry, no matter your anxiety, it's not too late to actually come back to the Lord. He's with you, he's for you, and he wants you well. He doesn't want you experiencing what so many of us are. We did a survey when we kicked off this series only to find that 45% of us say we struggle with worry and anxiety. That for the entire nation, about a third of us as adults suffer from depression, anxiety. 50% of our younger generations, at least here ages 18 to 24, through and coming out of the pandemic, there's been this massive jump of 25% of people saying they suffer anxiety and depression. And it's the number one issue for women. It's the number two issue for men. And we think that God has something to to offer us in the space of all the complexity, all of the layers, all of the different kind of subterranean levels within your heart, mind, and, and soul. How does he want to meet us today is the question. I have a friend named John, and with his permission, uh, I'll share with you that back in 2005, 2006, he's been in the real estate market all of his life. He'd say, I was just absolutely crushing it, buying up properties, growing all, all of that until the Great Recession hit in 20, uh, 2007, 2008. He said, I found myself upside down in every single property that I owned. I said, oh, well, did, did you have to sell those properties? He goes, Dan, that was a problem. I was so upside down that I couldn't even sell them. He said, so I was meeting with lawyers and, and experts, and it just seemed like I was completely out of options. To the point, he said, where one day I was just sitting on my back deck, and he goes, you know, Dan, it was like that, like, I, in his words, he's like, I considered myself a, a moderately good Christian, you know? I had faith and all of this, but... I tried to think about anything else, I couldn't. I tried to pray for anyone else, for something else, I couldn't. It was all consuming, and all I could think about was the situation that I I was in, and then as I'm thinking about that, these, these deer just are walking by in my view, and he said, I had the thought that, well, at least we can eat tonight if we have to. And... And I offer that to you. I mean, comic relief is good, but I have to tell you that was a very real thought for somebody who, as the scriptures would would say, he had anxious thoughts that multiplied within him. Look with me at Psalm 94. I just think this is so descriptive. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, it's your consolation that delights my soul. When my anxious thoughts 
multiply within me. That was what was happening to my friend. Well, this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen, this is gonna happen, and that's gonna happen. And it was just like eating him up inside such that one night he had a dream. And he's like, Dan, I gotta tell you, I'm not a dream guy. My wife has all the dreams for me. I'm not a dream guy, I'm a spreadsheet guy. I mean, that's kinda like how, how he thinks about the world and how God speaks to him. And he goes, but I had this dream, it was so vivid, it was so descriptive, and, and it was brilliant, and it was me on this path, and there were dark, swirling clouds on the right, on their left, there were these towering cliffs, and they just seemed to kind of be narrowing and closing in on me, and over on the horizon, there was just one path, but over the horizon, there was kind of like this saddle in the, in the ridge, and a, and a lightning hue, but darkness all around. And he thought, I think there's something for me in this. And he goes, I took my, <laughs> I applied all my best real estate guy uh, artistic abilities. And he said, I, I drew this. And when I saw that, I just thought, gosh, that's exactly what we're talking about, isn't it? And I wonder how many of us feel that sense of isolation, of feeling alone of being on a path that's just surrounded by swirling darkness and towering cliffs. And so what do we do? And where, where you sit, where maybe in your mind it's just like one thing multiplies after another and it feels like there's almost a civil war going on in your head. Well, I wanna just put that on a continuum of there's worry all the way to anxiety, to literally the, the, a family of disorders from general anxiety disorder to separation anxiety to social anxiety to panic attacks to agoraphobia and other kind of phobias to mutism and all sorts of different kind of conditions all the way over here. And what the psalmist does for me in talking about when my anxious thoughts multiply within me. It's kind of like, well, we have worry, but then that worry kind of leads to more worry, to, uh, that's supposed to be an X, to more worry, to this exponentially growing sense of worry. I'm curious, where would you put yourself on this, uh, on this continuum right now with just what, what you got going on? Yeah, I'm not asking you to say it out loud, but I just want you to take a quick, like where on from worry to anxiety, where might you be? Just kind of put an X on the line in your head. And by the way, I, I want to say this too. Uh, you know, 45% from a few weeks ago when surveyed, struggle with worry and anxiety. I just want to say to the other 55%, you lie. That's what I want to say. Like, where are you? Like, non-human being, I'm just kind of kidding, but I, I also wanna reference the words of Jesus, says like, look, don't worry about what? Tomorrow, why? Because today has enough worries of its own. So there's this pragmatism, this realism about Jesus. I'm so grateful that he didn't say, don't think about the pink elephant. But instead he goes like, look, there's a lot in life going on for you. And, and all of around us. There's enough just for today. But don't let your worry compound to, as Seth Godin would say, what is anxiety? It's experiencing failure in advance. 
where we're just predicting our ways all the way out to the worst possible outcome to the point where it comes, becomes completely paralyzing. And this is a real place. And the last thing we want anyone to feel is guilty or ashamed for being anywhere on this continuum. I've not suffered with this, but I know and I'm close to people that have. And as a team, actually, we said, you know, we know this is really very real. This is very true for many uh, people in our body. And what is it like? And so we went to one of our trained counselors within our care and counseling team. And we said, could you put words? We'll put pictures to it, but could you give us the words of what that level of torment is like for someone who's long-suffering with an anxiety disorder. And here's what they offered to us. I used to be able to do this. Why can't I anymore? Life didn't used to be so hard. Every task uses up all my energy. I'm so tired. I go to bed and get up at the same time, but I don't feel rested. I find myself feeling trapped, paralyzed, sometimes even frozen. My mind is racing with thoughts that I can't seem to control. Even the fun things aren't fun anymore. Everything has me on edge. People, places, play. I lose my cool at the smallest things these days, and as soon as I think I feel calm, the worry floods right back in. My heart is pounding so loud, and it just won't stop. I feel sick. Can anyone else hear this? I'm living in chaos. Am I in danger? I'm constantly in distress. This feels so dysfunctional. What is happening to me? If you can identify with any of those thoughts, we just want you to know we're with you, we're for you, we see you. And maybe you're walking with somebody that describes to you that they have just these anxious thoughts. And maybe you could even sit with them and say, hey, what of, what of that um, kind of connected for you? Did that give you language? Did, get, did that give you words? What we're gonna do here today is because I'm not clinically trained, we have, we have a team, we have staff that are, but I'm not trained to, to, to work on this far side of uh, the continuum. I want you to know that you're heard, you're seen, and you're contended for. Where we're really going to give focus here and now is right around in this kind of area where maybe the majority of us find ourselves and where I'm trained and equipped to actually converse here together. You'll remember from maybe a few weeks ago that Pastor Randy said, hey, how do we address this? How do we think about all of these areas of, of mental wellness? Well, we're gonna offer you four buckets that I think are absolutely essential to understand what's underneath all of this. And the first is just the situation bucket. Like, life is happening, and it's happening fast, and life can be really hard. And this is what causes worry to anxiety. The second is there is always a spiritual reality. 
God wants to be a part of all of this as it's dealing with our hearts and with our souls. Now, here's what I want to say, though. How many of us maybe grew up in a church where it was, something bad happened, pray. Didn't go away, pray. Didn't go away, pray. Pray. Oh, you're not praying enough. You're not doing enough spiritually. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. If this is the only way to address what's going on and the worry and the anxiety, then we're going to suffer from some form of a shame cycle of this must be my fault, right? So it would be incredibly irresponsible to not acknowledge that you and I are multifaceted, layered, textured human beings and that we are made heart, mind, body, and soul. And there's other buckets that we have to acknowledge and name, which is one, the medical bucket, that there's biology involved, there's maybe genetic predisposition involved, that there's a physicality to us as human beings. And this needs to be significantly acknowledged and addressed. There's also the clinical. And the clinical says there's maybe neurological, maybe there's psychological things, and we need a trained professional to help us navigate some of those more subterranean levels of the interior landscape of our humanity. And all four of these buckets really, really matter as we come to any and all of these places. Why? Because what were we called to by Jesus? What's the greatest commandment? To love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love neighbors as yourself. So how can you do that when your heart is hurt? How can you do that when your mind is, is confused? How can you do that when your body aches? You see, the Father wants you well. He wants you well in the mind, in the body, in the heart, in the soul, and in our lives. And so what do we, what do we, we say about that? Well, I just have a, a few hopefully helpful kind of directional thoughts for you. And the first one is this. This comes from my spiritual director, who I would describe as someone that is so close to Jesus and, as he would say, suffers with anxiety greatly. He says this, you are allowed to be as human as Jesus with your worry and with your anxiety. Now that's a pretty radical thought. You with your worry and your anxiety, you're allowed to be as human as Jesus. Jesus, fully God, yes, fully divine, of course, but fully human as well. So this means that in his heart, mind, soul, and body, he experienced to the nth degree what you and I did. And all we need to point to is that kind of apex moment in the garden before his crucifixion where he is in anguish, the scriptures say. Look at this with me. He's, uh, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's with his best friends. They can't stay awake. Jesus knows what's ahead of him, namely the, the, the crucifix. And it says, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. By the way, this is written by the physician Luke, who is naming an actual physical condition. Where out of your pores you sweat out blood. So think about this for a moment. This checks all the four buckets, doesn't it? There's a situation going on in Jesus' life. There is a spiritual movement that's happening. He's wanting to, pay, to fully submit himself to. There's something happening literally in his body, and the anguish that he's experiencing is so severe. 
I hope this helps for you to know that however you feel like you're in the valley right now, Jesus was too and is with you in that space. And what that affords you and me is going, okay, nothing that Jesus experienced is outside my experience, so he can sit with me in it. So I'm going to, here's the second point, I'm gonna take my anxieties head on. I'm not gonna deny them, I'm not gonna dwell in them, I'm gonna say, how can I take the situations, spiritually, physically, um, even chemically, how am I going to actually engage head on without shame? because this is part of my humanity. And so that's why I love how the team has prepared uh, a resource list. Hopefully you grabbed it on, on your way in. That's why I love we're launching summer care groups. And um, today is the day, I just wanna say, uh, online you can post in the chat that you want more information on that. You can go to westsidefamily.church care. You can go right into our comments. And there are people that would love to talk to you in general, but also about, like, let's get after this. This is the part where we have true agency to say, I don't wanna live like this anymore. I want freedom of what's going on in here. And there's hope for that. There's a path for that. Number three is gonna sound really predictable, if not churchy. Invite the Lord into your anxiety. Invite the Lord into your anxiety. Now, notice I didn't say, ask for it to all go away. Now, you can do that. But I think better than asking for the absence of anxiety is asking for the presence of God in your anxiety. Let me say that again. Better than asking for the absence of anxiety is asking for the presence of God in your anxiety, that he wants to do something there. He wants to forge something deeper in you. I love how in 1 Peter, we're encouraged like this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, kind of coming back, actually, to what James was talking about, this whole kind of submission idea. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves. Going, okay, I'm gonna right-size myself under the care of God. And I'm gonna invite him into this space. Why? Well, I'll just tell you, actually, raise your hand if you're like me. Uh, never have I, in my own head, tried to work out what's in my own head to any form of success. <laughs> right? That's where the anxious thoughts multiply within you. So now we have the maker who knows you, who's not surprised by any of the stuff going on in your head, in your body, in your heart. So we invite him in under his mighty hand. And then I love this. It says, he'll lift you up, and it doesn't say, immediately and triumphantly. It says, in due time. In due time. Let's put that up. I want you to see this. In due time, let's just, this is that First Peter verse, there you go, okay. It's not underlined, but it'll lift you up in due time. Who gets to determine the due? He does, because he's doing 
beautiful and powerful work. And so our part is to cast all of our anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for us. Because he cares for you. He wants you well. Now, how do we do that? Let me just give you, let me give you a little life hack that I developed years and years ago when I get really, really anxious. And, and it all is swirling like a mush pot. And I can't even like, I don't even know what it is. All I know is I'm stressed, I'm irritated, etc. And so what I've developed just over the years is what I call a stress map. So it goes like this. And this is why, by the way, you have a little uh, uh, index card that hopefully you received, right? I've lost mine, but hold that up. You got it? There it is. I found it. Okay. So you, you can use a journal. You, I mean, everything's more spiritual if it's on a whiteboard, but if you don't have a whiteboard, okay, just grab a scratch piece of paper. That's all you need. Or write it in the dirt. Doesn't really matter, but actually something you're going to take with you. And by the way, I'm going to draw a hypothetical version of mine. You can start working out yours uh, here in this moment as well. So I always start by drawing a circle, and I reference Psalm 139, search me, oh God. Try me and know my anxious thoughts is the full, the full verse. Now, I've already done something really significant. I have declared I'm not doing this alone. I am doing this in partnership and with the companionship of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the deep heart of the Father. I've already invited him and say, search me just to help me even know. I can't even do my own sifting. And so I invite you, Holy Spirit, into this place. Now, what's, what's stressing me out? Well, I mean, there's all sorts of things. There's, uh, there's inflation, and there's the debt ceiling, and there's the impact of that on my job. Oh, my goodness, in the job, there's this situation, and there's that situation. I'm not sure if that's going to come through. And what if the bottom falls out there? Whew. And then I'm like, okay, well, if I read the paper or the news feeds, it's like, well, there's this Russia thing, there's this China thing, there's this North Korea thing, there's this Iran thing, and they're actually starting to talk to one another, so wouldn't it be great if we had great representation? Oh, my goodness, there's this thing called 2024 election, so that's coming up. Am I stressing you out yet? I'm not even done. Then there's like chat GPT, right? And that's going to take over the world. And the robots are going to run everything. And this hasn't even addressed the fact that I have a life and a home and relationships. So let's go there. Okay, so I have an awesome wife, right? But she makes a lot of mistakes and things. So, you know, <laughs> she does that. Kind of, there's all that that's going on. Then I've got three teenage daughters, right? And they've got their things going on. And oh, by the way, they're all at various stages of, of driving and skill, right? And then, oh, by, yeah, one more thing. There's this whole category called boys. <laughs> then, there's, then there's ginger. And we just learned there's a lot of coyotes in our neighborhood and owls and turkey vultures. <laughs> then there's this whole talk this whole week where I've had anxiety about my talk on anxiety and that I have to keep it under 30 minutes, which I didn't do last time, and then Westside Kids is gonna send me a letter, and then somehow I'll get excommunicated from the church. That's... <laughs> so that is what's going on in my head, what's going on in yours. <laughs> Write it out here. Because what I love about this is now I've got it kind of out of here. It's just, just the cathartic thing of I'm inviting you into this God. Bring it all to the surface. Let's just name it. Let's take it head on. And let's just say uh, there's no shame here. Jesus, you had all the stuff too. 
You were perfect in every way, and you felt anguish. Right? Okay, so no shame. It's all here. Now, I'm going to do another thing to it. I got all this mess. Welcome to my life. Welcome to my brain. But there's beauty in this, too. So I'm going to practice gratitude. Why? Did you know that your brain cannot both worry about something and be grateful for something at the same time? It is neurologically impossible. So this is, again, where we have agency to say, like we talked about last week, how do I hold every thought captive to Christ? Well, I'm going to go here to the stress, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful for a sense of employment and the people that I get to work for. And I'm really grateful for, you know, the fact that Elise apologized. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for that. It's amazing. Right? And I just love the fact that the Lord landed us as a family here at Westside. You just get into the cracks. And I'd even say, use a different, like, pen to say, in the midst of all my worry, there's, like, so much goodness, too. And there might be a few things where you're just like, hey, you know what? I don't need to worry about that. Like, I'm just going to stop worrying about that. You just, like, exit off the list. You know, you just take it right off. Okay, but most of the time we can't. We can't just make it go away. We actually just say, I'm inviting you into this space. Now what do you have? You have started with a stress map. It's become your gratitude map, and now it's your prayer map. And you just take it with you. Just take it with you, and, and then it's really cool to, to see what happens. You say, Lord, in the space is all of here. I'm just going to give this to you, and in the cracks here, and all of this. And then seven days later... Maybe two weeks later, you're like, oh my gosh. Well, that kind of worked out. Oh my gosh, Lord, how'd that happen? You know, Lord, thank you. And then you actually, here's the good news. You, gotta, you, get, you can start all over again. Why? Because Jesus says, we've got new stuff to worry about every single day. I mean, don't you love that hope, hope that Jesus gives? He's a pragmatist. You've got to love this. And so we do that. We allow ourselves to be as human as Jesus we take it head on. And then we invite Jesus to sit with us in solidarity as one who knows this landscape, who knows this valley that you're in so very well. And the last thing is we let ourselves be held there. We let ourselves be held there. Psalm 94 says, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations, delight, refresh, comfort my soul. Actually doesn't say makes it go away. Doesn't say it happened once. That one time when my, uh, no, no, no. It's like when, whenever I'm going to turn and invite the Lord into this space. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make space for the Holy Spirit in, to, and through all the cracks of it. And I'm going to let myself be held in it, through it. For my friend John, when he lost all those properties, you know, he had to kind of make a decision. When you're so filled with anxiety, what's the, the, the temptation and the penchant is to move towards isolation. He didn't. You know what he did? He actually had this dream, drew this thing, but brought it to his family. He said, this is the journey that we're on, and we're on it together. And so he passed out you know, charcoal to each one of them, and, and they all started drawing it together. And so actually the real and full picture that he today has behind his chair at his office and his desk is this. 
And he's like, this is the journey that we're on. And they all drew and they all signed it. They're young boys and they're older boys. And what a picture to say, even for you, you, if you thought you were just alone, I'm telling you, the Lord is putting people around you. The Lord has someone just out, at, at an outstretched hand if you would only ask. The Lord has people probably that have been reaching out, but possibly you've been pushing away. What I want you to hear is that you are not alone. And that you have a father in heaven who loves you, who wants you well. And by his Holy Spirit, he wants to come to you, tend to you. And he wants to wrap his family around your family. For you to be right-sized, to say, man, I don't have to just keep taking it all on. I don't have to try and keep dribbling a soccer ball four times my size. There was a moment with our puppy Ginger. We had her only for a few days. And we decided it was time to gussy her up for grandma. So my wife said, um, let's clean out her eye boogers. Well, for this dog in all of its life had never had someone try to pluck eye boogers out of her, you know. So we were holding her and she just lost it. She got triggered to fight and flight and this little four pound cute as a button thing turned into a snapping dragon and was growling and going at and pretty soon going after Elise who was holding her. And so out of her own safety preservation, Elise put the dog down. And, and I just like, oh no, 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 this is a moment. Like this could, this could change our lives forever if I let this little puppy think that this puppy won. And so I picked it up. And in this moment, I'm just holding the puppy like this and I'm rocking it and she's growling and she's snapping and she's using every fiber of strength within her body. And I'm just holding her and I'm rocking her and she's growling and then she's squealing, which was the most desperate sound in the world. And everyone is like, just let go, just let go. I go like, no, I love this puppy too much. I'm not letting go. And I love our lives too much. I'm not letting go. And I'm holding it, it felt like it was for hours. And finally, I just feel this. She just kind of goes limp. She releases. And you just feel this sense of exhale. Just finally to, to rest in my arms. And it's as if she said to herself, I'm being held by someone far stronger than me. And I can be safe here. This is why I only have small dogs. <laughs> and I wonder how many of us just feel like inside we're just snapping dragons. We're just running scared. And we just need to be held by a loving father under his mighty hand because he cares for you. And might you and me too release and rest and say, I am being held by someone far stronger than I. And so Lord, by your Holy Spirit come and tend and thank you that you 
long as a father in heaven to hold us this way. Thank you that you are bigger than anything on the board. You're bigger than any bubble in our brain. And we're gonna let ourselves be held. We're gonna invite you into these spaces and know that you sit with us in the dark and that dark is not too scary for you because you want us well, because you care. So meet us there, we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.